Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Orlando Regional Results. We're going to talk about the deck that Justin played at this event. We're also going to dive into the top 16 and what this means for OCIC coming up pretty quick. We wrap up the show with a listener question and some predictions for OCIC. Justin, how are we doing, man? I'm good. I'm coming off of a uh, fun, long weekend. I'm a little tired because the uh, last couple days at work have been a little uh, a little treacherous, but you know that's what we do so we can make time for Pokemon. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, it's been a week for sure. My wife's friend came to town, hung out with her for a bit. We went to a surprise birthday party for a buddy of mine, which ended up being super cool. And then I watched a lot of Pokemon, and I also watched the uh, the COD Major this weekend as well. So uh, I was definitely very, very busy, but not too busy to watch the Orlando Regional. And that was just, it was an event. There were so many people there. Looking at, like, the landscapes of, like, the, just, like, the people sitting, doing, like, VGC, TCG of all levels. Like, it was crazy to see that many people packed in for the game that we love. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty insane being there um, just for the pure sake. So they only had like one doorway in and out. So other than, like that made it kind of like weird to get in the venue. But other than that, there was like plenty of room once you got in there. It was like super, super long, not so much wide. Um, and even funny story, like the uh, the first round, I started off at like table like seven, I forget off the top of my head, it was like 720 something. Uh, which is crazy there's that many tables but there wasn't even numbers that they hadn't been able to print out yet um so we literally had to wait for round one for them to put table numbers down so we knew where we could sit that's crazy that sounds like a you know a very stressful time for both tos and players alike um but i'm glad that they got that uh, situated it sucks that it took them that long to get that all out and about but let's go ahead and talk about the results and the results recap is powered by ultimate guard when it's time to upgrade your TCG storage or just to resleeve your favorite deck, be sure to check out Ultimate Guard's premium accessories. Orlando had 1,485 Masters, but what won the whole thing? I don't think anyone would be surprised if we told them that uh, Lugia Archaeops won the entire event. Uh, this deck continues to be just a powerhouse and it kind of showed especially in our top eight with uh six out of the top eight being there or being lugia v-star and it won the whole thing the finals was lugia versus lugia yeah no which was uh i mean i don't want to say it was exciting but the builds that these dudes had differentiated in some ways but at the same time it was still the core powerhouse lugia but what can you tell me about this list, man? You know, I've, I've seen some changes in the list from what uh, people were talking about at the previous event. And Andrew Hedrick, who went 14-2-2, really applied those changes and took it in stride. Yeah, so one of the things I keep noticing with, like, Lugia list as they evolve is uh, the biggest thing is kind of like the decrease in the Lugia counts themselves. So when these decks first started coming about, we saw pretty consistently 4-3 lists on the Lugia V V-Star, and now we're kind of seeing them, people realizing that Lugia V-Star isn't necessarily the powerhouse that we thought it was, it's more or less the attackers that come from Lugia being able to get those Archaeops on the bench, so we're kind of 
getting enough in there to be consistent to find it early game, but then when we don't need it later on, we can kind of push it off to the side and open up some room for more consistent things or uh, even stronger attackers like the Evetols, the Amazing Warrior Raikou, the Charizards, things like that. Um, but we're also starting to see inclusions of things like Irida, so you can search for certain items when you need them, as well as potentially your Luminions to be able to do a Luminion loop attack. And then also just the special energies are also starting to vary, vary as well, too. We kind of see um, in Andrew's list specifically, we're seeing the Wash energy in there, which I actually love that inclusion. I think it's really cool um, for a mana feed to protect yourself from Lost Box, as well as just an extra energy for Luminion that you can loop back into the deck as well, too. Right. I think it sees the same merit that people were using the hide en- hiding energy for, being able to pivot with that amazing rare Eveltal if you weren't able to use it. I know some. I, I know that some players were um, kind of moving their attention towards playing the um, the Evolving Skies Moltres and charging it up the same way uh, that Radiant Charizard does. Obviously, it has more merit because it does more damage the more prize cards your opponent has taken. Um, they just differentiate, one being ability and one being the attack specifics, but nonetheless, it's basically doing the same thing. Now, instead of having that free pivoting option because of the hiding energy, they're using the wash energy to protect themselves from, like you said, Lost Box, and I think that that is incredibly impactful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, and we'll see in Isaiah's second place list as well, too, different energy, but I just think, I think wash energy should be a staple in here because Lost Box is pretty strong and pretty prevalent. I played quite a few Lost Boxes myself, and we'll get into that later, but um, with the death, it definitely was the right call i think for this tournament if you're expecting to see a lot of lost boxes for sure and i want to like turn our attention back to the japan championship league that we talked about earlier how they were playing echoing horn inside of lugia and andrew did just that so it really does create a very powerful one of when you have things like irida that can search that specific card out when needed he didn't use it in the finals but i'm sure at some capacity it became very helpful to have that prize trade against something like last box where they might have raikud one time but in the end that's going to punish them if they don't cycle that back in with a ordinary rod exactly yeah putting something on the bench is just a really strong um, ability right now because yeah like you said you can just either one lock them out if they've used up something like all their scoop up nets but two yeah if you you need to just take out a little bit easier target with something like a Stoutland V. I mean, there you go. It's a perfect way to do it. Absolutely. And this dude actually had quite a bit of swagger when he was on uh, the interview. He's talking about like, oh, like I kind of had an extra space in this deck, which is something I've never said when I was building Lugia. Right. I always, <laughs> I always felt like I didn't have enough space. And you're looking at it like, yeah, he's running the three-two line of Lugia. Like you might be compensating for something somewhere else, uh, but he gets to run the Oranguru, the Banafi, and the Pumpkaboo to be able to keep yourself pretty competitive where I feel like that was like the, okay, I either run Oranguru or Pumpkaboo or I run Pumpkaboo and not Banafi. Uh, it doesn't have the Dunsparce in it, which definitely makes it a little different, but it was those single prize inclusion I don't want to call them consistency cards, but um, the supporting role cards, if you will. And because of the lack there of Lugia, they have space for those things like you had mentioned. But including the one capturing aroma is such a flex. Like, and, it really is. And using it successfully <laughs> in that game one in the finals is hilarious to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of those cards that I personally don't feel like it's that great of a thing or great of a card, but we've seen it now pop up in top eights multiple times and actually work on stream multiple times. So maybe there is a little more merit to it than we think there is. You know, it's it can be very strong. I just feel like my only my only downside to it would be like say you need that basic Pokemon and you happen to flip the tails or whatever it is for the evolution. You're like, well, just burned a card for nothing, I guess. Yeah, and my my buddy from my my team and playtesting group, he plays thirtieth at, um, I want to say San Diego. It was San Diego, and he played several capturing aromas. So <laughs> I, there has to be merit to the card at some point. Uh, but Gigi's Andrew, this was his first mate like Masters uh, championship win, so that's pretty cool for him. Uh, second place was Isaiah Bradner. Isaiah Bradner is becoming like a household name. Uh, he's always up in top cut talks, always making strong pushes on day twos and stuff like that. What do you like about this list? Yeah. So, um, on top of like the, how we talked about the wash energy, we see Isaiah is not playing the wash energy, but instead he's actually playing the speed (coughs) lightning energy, which is a really cool inclusion as well as the wash energy. But that's, I mean... And it's a small percentage chance, but say you happen to be charging up the Amazing Rare Raikou and you have the Speed Lightning Energy in hand, that's just something that you can attach to that Raikou, draw two cards, and then go and accelerate with your Archaeops. It's a really, like I said, really slim chance of you actually that having that perfect combo of having the Speed Lightning Energy in hand for that, but it's just another cool cool thing to, to do. And like all the other special energies, you can attach them to other Pokemon. So if you need to attach it to a color, it still counts as energy. It just doesn't, you don't get the extra effect on it. So it does count for your other energies as well too, which just, it is a cool bonus, I think, in that aspect. Right. I think that it's, there is a less than 5% chance of you using it ever. Um, But in the off chance that it happens, it's very powerful to have that extra consistent two card draw. Um, other than that, it basically serves a similar purpose to the wash energy, wash energy being able to power up an attacker that requires that specific energy on top of having its additional bonus effect. Um, but it's a powerhouse. It basically is a forward-moving deck. There's no repercussive plays whatsoever other than the um, the V-Guard energy. Uh, obviously, that was included in the previous list as well. But I felt like... In a deck that both runs the Dunsparce as well as the V-Guard energy, you put yourself in a really, really good spot to take a hit on that Lukia. Yeah, and along with the rest of this list, too, um, we definitely see that's a lot more um, streamlined, consistent um, counts of everything as well, too. Instead of there being like one Capturing Aroma, one Echoing Horn, we're seeing two belts, two Lost Vacuums, uh, 4-4-4 on the Ultra Ball, Quick Ball, Evolution Incense... Um, your supporter counts are pretty consistent, being three, three, and then two and one. So I mean, it's this deck was meant to be streamlined, go fast, get what I need, hit, have answers. Right, and they did uh, defer to using three gusting effects in the form of one Serena and two Boss, where the previous list had used uh, two Serena and two Boss, but one less Marnie, and they had the inclusion of Irida. So. They didn't apply those specific changes. They just ran a higher and more consistent count of the things that this deck does face when it comes to adversity in the meta field. So I, like using things like Pumpkaboo plus two vacuum is huge for a deck like this. Yeah, and one thing we don't see in either either of these lists as well, um, going into this tournament, a lot of people were hyping up things like canceling Cologne. Um, 
because of all like the Duraludon, the um, the Aerodactyls, things like that. And both these players decided I'm not going to worry about that. You know, the, those situations. I think I'm in an okay spot. I'm not going to run it, um, which is kind of interesting. Like I said, with canceling Cologne being the hot topic for the weekend. Right, and and, and I don't think that there's any justification to not play it i think it was more or less understanding how the field is going to shift um you're not necessarily giving yourself the same edge against duraludon when you don't when you play things like uh canceling clone versus running double vacuum and being able to delete two parasols if you need to and just evel to one and you know find your way to smack another so it's it's cool It, it really does see a lot of you know, it, it shifts very slightly, but it still has the same power and it adjusts with it. What they, what neither of these players tech for though, is the paralysis stall. And I feel like there were decks in the top 12 that could have definitely take advantage of that. And these two players just decided that that wasn't going to be them and that wasn't going to be their fate. Yeah. And, uh, they, they luckily still made it through, but yeah, next up we have uh, in 10th place as our notable shout-out, Ian Rob played a Palkion, Inte- or Palkion, Palkia Inteleon. Palkion, that's what we're calling it from it, now on. <laughs> I, I mean, it works, honestly. Um, but yeah, some, reminiscent of what we saw, like something like Jake Gearhart playing back with the, his uh, many, many Lugia counters. Um, he has the Articuno to paralyze. He I guess Ian saw that people were starting to cut things like Switch and bird keeper and things to get out of paralysis so what better way to just wreck a bunch of lugias and paralyze them and do it you know loop it all over and over again yeah no it's pretty busted for sure obviously shady dealings and teleon will give you the ability to uh cycle in and out of what you need grab resources as you see fit uh, running quad irida definitely streamlines that as well uh, what i'm seeing is a single jelly which is the card that'll heal you 120 damage if you're um, below the hp threshold and the articunos definitely need that type of uh, support because they will eventually knock themselves out but what i really really like about this list is because it does play the ice cube to stop things like reggies or lost box it runs the wash energy to shut off the sable eye from coming through and really cleaning up that ice cube entirely but it runs the crabominable which I was using inside of my water lost box deck a while ago, just because Mewtwo V Union was so big, being able to just attach a single energy and then mill them a couple cards is huge in that matchup. Yeah, so I actually, um, it's funny, I was, uh, I, I knew a lot of people here, obviously being a Florida player and this being a Florida regional, and I was chatting with a couple people um, in between one of the rounds, and one of their buddies that I, I've I've seen at a few events and I haven't actually I think he actually this guy made day two, um, and he came up and he they're like oh you I just you played Ian how did it go and he goes oh I got smacked and he was playing Gudra and they're like really how and he goes the dude's playing Crabominable he placed damage counters on me and then literally smacked me for like stupid amounts of damage and we we're all like wait what like we heard about it like as it's happening turn we're like. And I just remember just going, oh my god, that's ingenious. Crabominable destroys that deck because you're sitting there just dropping damage counters in the right situations and smacking for so much. It's just, it's beautiful. And then 
Um, yeah, I just think that's cool. And then off that too, for the Mew matchup, we see he's playing the Drapion as well as a Thornton too, yeah, which is huge. It's, so it's like Mew's like, oh, I'm gonna get rid of that Drapion. It's like, no, nah, I'm gonna bring it back and, and hit you again and just win the game in two hits. Right. No, this this deck is sick, man. I I I've always felt like Palkia was just on the cusp of evolving to climb its way back up into the format. Obviously, Lugia being able to very easily tech in lightning attackers and Palkia not really having a weakness caveat kind of sucks. But man, it feels like it feels like it has answers to just about everything in the format. Yeah, and it's actually I will say it is pretty crazy that um Ian was able to go as far as he was because in my experience there was um there was a lot of flying Pikachu there. Um and which like you said, that having that lightning weakness kind of sucks, but uh I don't know, maybe they were just able to Articuno paralyze enough times that they made it work. So yeah, who knows? I didn't I didn't get to watch any games obviously because I was in the middle of playing games, but um, yeah, 10th place finish out of this many Masters is pretty insane. Yeah, so GG's to Ian for bringing something very, very spicy. Love to see it. Uh, the next play, the next deck we're going to talk about is the 18th place Ditto Control, piloted by Manuel Soto, or Sato. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Uh, but of all the control lists that we've seen, you know, of the binder drop variety or not, this one seems most streamlined and i i kind of actually understand the nuances of this deck what do you think yeah i mean it's um it definitely looks very binder droppy that is for sure but um i mean honestly if uh, as a control player in the past or like I, i dabble in control looking at it it is pretty streamlined i mean for things with special energy you just go in and you deny their energies uh, you can go in with Ditto, copy all these attacks. Almost everything has a two to three like energy cost, so it's pretty consistent to get going as well as looping and just really disrupting your opponent and running them out of resources. I mean, the we see they're playing Galar Mines, so you can trap things in the active Yell Horns to confuse Echoing Horns to bring things up that or back from the discard that maybe they're wanting to get rid of um, Roxanne's. And just all kinds of stuff. And we're seeing a new card in that Calyrex uh, from Brilliant, or whatever this newest set is. My brain doesn't want to work today. Crown Zenith, um, yeah. Crown Zenith, yeah, there we go. Um, that you know allows you to just search for two cards and does damage at the same time. So, I mean, it's really, there's all kinds, of, and there's a lot more cards in this build than just what I mentioned. There's a lot of one-ofs and a lot of um, useful pieces as well, too. For sure. So you basically start off with Gorbanite Snorlax. You draw as many cards as you can. Let a couple Snorlax go down. You're drawing out with uh, uh, Sincino. Using things like the Celebrations, Yveltal, to just absolutely destroy special energy from the field. Especially with Lugia not having a limited account per se, but deleting three at a time between Yveltal and Ditto being able to copy that attack is tremendous. Um, you're also using things like Flannery to be able to delete stadiums that are supporting your um, your opponent's board state and, and also a special energy simultaneously. The Sydney to be able to limit the amount of resources in their hand in the form of uh, special energies as well. But you're using the Morpeko to torment them so they can't use attacks. A lot of good cards in the format right now you know, have a really good ability and one really good attack. So you are stifling them from being able to do just that and forwarding other attackers into the active spots you'd be able to knock out a one prize Morpeko, and then you punish them from being able to not use the 
um, the Pokemon that might be able to withstand getting trapped and Yellhorn simultaneously. Um, the Ice Q to be able to handle the single prize matchup, the Mill Tank to be able to handle things that unfortunately don't have shred attacks. And you really just have answers to a lot of the good meta matchups right now. But what you don't see in a control deck, like the, at least this list here, is Crushing Hammers. And obviously that's a 50-50 chance to be able to stifle your opponent at least one or two turns or close them out of the game if it's their last energy. But it just kind of shows that control is still control without energy denial from a 50-50 chance card. Yeah, I will say I do feel like something, if they, this person were to hit nothing but lost boxes all day, they might have a little bit tougher of a time than, you know, hitting a bunch of Lugias or something like that all day. Just just for the pure sake of, you know, even though there's something confused, they play a lot of lost boxes, play scoop up nets and escape ropes and things like that. So they can kind of get around things. They can place damage counters where they need to. So there definitely does seem like there's, uh, they would have a hard time in those scenarios, but I mean... Maybe that's where they just go in with the single ice cube and wash energy and just clean up house. Um, and another cool inclusion in here is a card that I didn't even know really existed until um, we see here is a sand dial. So once you finally have depleted your opponent of resources and they just are in a position where they're digging for cards or looking, you go, okay, cool. I'm going to use my ditto to copy sand dial's attack and dredge up. It's just, I mean, granted, you have to have the energy for it, but at that point, if you all it takes is two of the double turbos or a double turbo and a twin energy, and you're you're good to go, and you're discarding three cards on top of your opponent's deck, potentially getting rid of resources or cards they need, and then just milling their deck at the same time. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than sitting behind a a galler mine, not being able to pivot out of the active spot, and just watching the energy you need hit the discard pile. Um, and in terms of the Lost Box max, matchup, at any point in the game, Misfortune Sisters will take those scoop-up nets completely out of the deck entirely and just put them straight into the discard pile. And as we all know, item cards like that, especially scoop-up nets, are just so hard to recover unless you're playing Silene and you're really good at flipping heads. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, so super cool list. You know, Control's not entirely dead. You know, as a lot of people might seem it might be, it just it's just really hard to play. And it's really hard to land on a specific 60, especially if you're counting on a card like Calyrex that does like 30 damage and lets you go grab two cards out of your deck. Um, no one really saw that and thought, I can build a control list around it. But here it found its way into, um, you know, a, a top 32 deck. And it might even be the highest placing Crown Zenith card uh, in the entire tournament, honestly. <laughs> yeah, out of the Sky Seal Stones that we talked about, the Lost, like not the, the Lost Box using the Zamazenta, it's uh, it's crazy to see. But you know, GG's great player, great deck builder. Excited to see what this uh, archetype evolves into. Uh, but that about does it for the Orlando recap. You know, GG's to everybody who played. It was very exciting to watch specific matchups on stream but right now we're going to talk about what justin played at the orlando regionals yeah yeah um so, so you played duraladon right yeah no i, I probably should have honestly um <laughs> just with a couple of my matchups but no um so i actually landed on um reggie's if you guys heard me previous episodes i had been testing out a couple 1ks and um, I'd really been working on this list quite a bit 
um, and hardcore practicing and actually keeping it pretty secretive on the 60 because it's even though it's Reggie's, there are a handful of changes that I made um, that I thought you know in certain situations were going to be good for this tournament. And in theory, in practice, they were. I just hit a couple very unfortunate matchups that I did tech for, but didn't necessarily go in my favor. Um, you know, I Drew, do you have any questions about the list or anything like that? Do you want me to read it off? How we want to do this? Yeah, so I want to talk about this list. You know, I've been a part of a Pokemon podcast for some time, so I'm almost a professional <laughs> at looking at Pokemon lists. So you've got your three Regigigas, you've got your three Regieleckies, you know, obviously attacking for lightning weakness is very huge but you're playing two good reggie one bad reggie what made you decide to do that um so i like the i actually like the inclusion of the bad reggie and a lot of people say bad reggie but it actually can be very good in certain matchups um especially if you're needing to get things back um like uh i had i had actually a couple instances where i needed to get things back like a lost vacuum or ordinary rod um, because something would be prized or even a boss's orders. Um, there was a time where I got back a Marnie because my hand was just absolutely dead, but I didn't want to discard things off of a research because I would need them for later game. So it came in handy quite a few times, and that's why I like that for that reason. Um, as well as, um, I'll I'll go through my rounds in a minute, but my round five I actually paired up against a Lunatone Solrock with uh, Mewtwo V-Star, um, which is something I did not expect to see at all there, and maybe it's because at that point I was kind of at bottom tables. Um, but in that matchup, I literally bossed up, uh, uncharged up Mewtwo and I actually just looped the second attack on the Regilecki to snipe their Regirock or their Soul Rocks, um, off the bench to where they couldn't charge up or, or the Lunatones if they did start charging one up. So that way there was something stuck in the active, they would have to manually charge up and I was just sniping, take prize, prize, prize. They would start charging up the active one. I would boss up a Mewtwo on the bench and kind of do the same thing. I just was... Both games, I did the exact same strategy. I would just knock out things on the bench with that bad Regilecki, which worked out really, really well in that matchup for me. No, that seems super sick. Um, other than that, running a two-count of the Ice, two-count of Drago, two-count of Steel, two-count of Rock, which I think is super comfortable. You know, there are some people who are like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to do one Rock, one Steel. Hopefully I don't run into a knowledgeable Reggie-updated player and they play like Lost City. But this is super comfortable. Like this puts you in a position to always attack, which I think is super sick. Um, obviously, the four rod makes sense. The four scoop up net. You and I went back and forth on a lot. Um, you ended up landing on the four plus the inclusion of rope, which I still think makes it very good in your uh, in your favor for sure. The single heavy ball. How many times did you find yourself wishing you had two? Not often, actually. Um, I do find myself pretty, was pretty lucky in that case. I think there was one game where I had two Reggies prized, but they were, I was actually lucky even again in that aspect that it was um, one Regigigas and one of the, the Regilecki I have two copies of. So it kind of, it, it didn't hurt too much very often. Um, the biggest thing I kept finding myself was actually the, the energies were prized quite a bit. Although I never had, I, I only had a scenario once or twice where um, so many energies were prized that I couldn't really function. Um, I'm actually really happy with the way the list ran throughout the weekend, other than um, two separate games, which I'll get into when I'm doing the kind of the matchup run throughs. 
Um, but yeah, something that is different in this list as well is a lot of people are playing trekking shoes. Um, and that's just kind of to go through with a little bit more speed and also potentially to discard things like energies. Um, I felt like even though that in a sense lands towards consistency, they were taking out forms of consistency and things like ordinary, they were cutting an ordinary rod or cutting, um, you know, just they didn't have the rope. So by taking those out, I was able to add more consistent things as well as a couple techs for um, the Ice Cube matchup, Gudra matchup, and Flying Pikachu matchups. That those were my biggest concerns going into this, and that's why um, my list I had decided to include two ropes, a Lost Vacuum, and an Echoing Horn, actually, um, which did help me. In, the Echoing Horn was actually huge in one of my matchups, even though I still lost that game. Um, it almost swung it in my favor. Yeah, that's sick. And I and I know that you and I again in a separate discussion we're talking about how necessary Echoing Horn might be with how popular Ice Q seems to be getting. And I feel like this just puts you in a position to not get locked out for that last prize. Um because you know, you could put Ice Q in as soon as you can as soon as you want to, attack with it all game long, scoop up what's available to you, but if there's no presence of mind that a Reggie deck is playing Echoing Horn, it becomes a very, very big game tilter for sure, and I like that a lot. Um, in terms of supporters, man, you're running the four research, which is super necessary. Three Marnie seems really good. Two boss, no Serena, and I understand like it, you may or may not need it. Um, but was there any specific reason why you ran that specific supporter count? Yeah, I um, I, f- I found myself in testing because um, I tried the Serenas. I tried uh, two Serena and a boss, two boss uh, and a Serena. And I kind of found myself, the Serena never really, there was very, very few opportunities in my situations where Serena actually helped. Um, because with things like Reggie Drago, I was already drawing up cards in my hand. Um, and sometimes if I was wanting to play a supporter, I was wanting to see even more cards than what Serena offered. Um, so research seemed to be better in those situations. And by including larger counts of um, the ordinary rods and um, choice belts and things like that, I actually was more comfortable discarding one or two things off of a research because I had extra counts in there versus where if something like three were in there, I'd be very cautious of what I was discarding at the time because I don't know, or I know that my counts were lower already. So um, that's why I kind of went for that supporter count specifically. Um, Since I was playing the two ropes, I was like, well, there's another switching option. So I can cut one of, I can cut that Serena and just keep it to the two boss and boss allows me to gust anything versus in a weird situation um, which I played a lot of Lost Boxes, which I'm glad I had the bosses because Serena would have just been a dead gusting card at that point. For sure. And then the last note, you do look like you're running really slim on energies. Was that, I, I mean, on top of prizing it like you had mentioned before, did that hinder you in some specific instances? Yeah, so the, the energy counts are actually pretty streamlined as far as um, what like a lot of Reggie lists are playing. Um, I, I did in testing theory like about trying to find room for something like an extra capture energy because capture energy is so strong in this deck um being able to attach it to something and get your last reg you need if you're out of quick balls and things like that as well as being an energy to be able to attack for a turn um but i just as far as like wanting to keep the counts of other things higher i felt like it worked because in the way reggie's works you're cycling those energies over and over so once you finally get them 
um, you're good. You're good to go. And that was kind of what I felt was there was there was a couple games where, like I said, it, the energies didn't seem to come turn one, but they came pretty quickly after that because I was playing the heavy research counts, the heavy Marnie counts. So I was actually able to see a lot of cards from those supporters. Um, and just playing smart with trying to save my ultra balls to be able to discard things like two energies versus, you know, something else off of them, things like that. Yeah, for sure. Although overall, really cool list. Reggie seemed like it was in a really good spot for this weekend. Uh, the top 16 definitely says otherwise, but I think it's because people teched accordingly for it or just over consistency in their deck and made, um, you know, just super heads up plays to make sure that they were competitive against that matchup. So GG's, it was a super cool list. I enjoy your deck building always. So let's go ahead and talk about your matchups. Yeah, so um, round one, I went up against a Lost Rayquaza list. Um, this is the this is one of the matchups where I kind of wish that I... In, so I, I won for game one, lost game two, and we ended up tying. Uh, we literally flipped over our cards and time was called in the round. Um Game one, I won very convincingly, um, which was a really good feeling, especially, you know, the the round one nerves in a big regional. Um, But then game two, when we started, I was actually in a very commanding position. um, And my opponent was, he he mentioned he was like a magic player, control magic player at that. Um, And he so he was kind of like, he knows Pokemon, but he even was like, I'm going to try to move as fast as possible. I apologize if I take a few minutes in between turns. I'm like, sure, whatever. So... Um, we were playing it out, and like I said, I was in commanding position. Ended up, the game went a little longer than I guess it should have, um, and then I ended up getting just in a position where I got stuck. He ended up winning, and so I think I I saw him kind of playing a little slower, and I was like, you know what, this is fine, because I'm, I'm in commanding, I think I'm going to win this round, and even if we go to time in game two, that means I win anyways. Well, because it went a little longer, and he ended up winning, happened in a tie, my own my own fault mistake, but like I said, whenever you feel like you're in a commanding position, you kind of just let it roll. Um, so that was, you know, just how it happens sometimes. Um, but the way the deck was functioning after that, I was kind of getting confident even after round one. But then, of course, I hit a really tough losing streak um, and hit a bunch of really just bad matches for Reggie's. Round two, I hit a, a Vikavolt, Pikachu, Arceus deck. Um, and the guy, he was, I I will say this too. My opponents were all amazing. I I wish I could have all these opponents at every tournament. Um, everyone was super nice, super friendly, talkative, but this guy, when we were playing, he literally like, he literally goes, I'm not going to lie to you. I built this deck because someone at my locals plays Reggie religiously. And I built a deck to 100% counter Reggie's and it did just that game one. Um, I was actually... Um, I had an opportunity to win game one, and I misplayed. Um, I had an escape rope in boss in hand to get around the flying Pikachu. Um, or sorry, no, I had the escape rope, but I was missing the boss, but my deck was thin. I played the escape rope before having the boss, so I wasn't able to boss the flying Pikachu back up. And I instead just took a knockout on a um, the Vikavolt, so taking two prizes instead of my last three. Um, so as soon as I did that, I scooped it up, went to game two, and just absolutely bricked um doing i got reggie hands which i knew was going to happen in a handful of games here so um you know lost pretty convincingly on that one and i it was a little bummed because of my misplay but at the same time my opponent was so cool i was still you know still pretty happy looking to go into the next round round three (laughs) hit lost gudra 
Um, another notoriously bad matchup for Reggie's. Again, game one, um, I actually had saved the Echoing Horn um, in this case for to go into a uh, to swing into the Gudra um, for big damage. So I actually Regiced, uh froze him. He started charging up another uh, another Gudra on the bench. So I escape roped and bossed and brought that back up. But I was just uh, after, and then I took a knockout. But then after that, I just didn't have any really response. Um, I was just too many prizes behind, uh, at that point when I got the loop going. And so I, again, scooped it up cause I, in like two turns I would have lost anyways and kind of think of time. And then the second game on that round, I literally opened my hand with a Regigigas, a, um, ordinary rod, a scoop up net and all four research. Thanks. And yeah, that was, so I just instantly, as soon as I saw that hand, I was like, even if I could come back from that. Um, there's just, there's no way to draw through the deck at that point. Um, that, that was pretty much all my heavy draw and, and just like I expected, I got a couple things set up, but there just wasn't enough oomph left in the deck to be able to do anything and lost pretty bad. At that point I was kind of a little bummed and I was just like, whatever, going to go into, and then, um, round four, go into a Radiant Etern Flying Pikachu Duraludon. I was actually pretty confident in this matchup um, going into it. I practiced against this. Because your, your buddy little... was playing that, yeah. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I was pretty confident in this matchup. Um, and then, again, Reggie kind of did Reggie things um, game one. Then game two, um, he had kind of seen how I played, I guess and really strategized around that really well. He was kind of saving his stadiums to make sure that I wouldn't, like he could bump as soon as I played down a path of the peak and things like that. So it was just, it, I was constantly like a card behind and I ended up losing that. And I will say in this round as well too, something that Pokemon doesn't tell you and for anyone planning to go to a regional that has VIP members, um, if you get paired up with someone that has VIP in their name, you have to go to them where they're sitting at in the VIP lounge. So I sat down and was like, oh, my opponent's not here at the table and called over a judge when the round started and because, uh, you know, they, they come over and they, they mark when your opponent doesn't show up. And uh, I was like, hey, my opponent's not here. Um, just want to let you know. And like, oh, who you matched up against? And they, I pulled it up and they go, oh, it's got VIP in the name. You have to go to him over there. And they pointed. I'm like, no one told me that. Like, well, you better hurry so you don't get a round one loss. And so I almost <laughs> got a round one loss because of that. Um, and my buddy that's actually, um, that went with us, he actually did get around one loss for that. He was sitting down waiting for his opponent and called the judge over and the judge at this judge didn't mention anything about the VIP thing to him. He ended up getting around one loss. So if you get paired against someone with VIP, you have to go to them. I don't know why they don't make that more advertised, but yeah, I almost got a ground one loss because of that, which thank God I didn't, even though I lost anyways. Um, so then after that, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. After that was lunch break. I was feeling kind of down, um, but luckily I had a gr- good group of friends there, and they all like, you know, talked to me like, you know what, just take this for practice for Knoxville, and, I, and that's what I did. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna try my best, get practice in for Knoxville in case I decide to play a similar sixty or the same sixty, um, because it's the same format and everything. Went in, placed against that Lunatone Soul Rock I talked about, and I kind, I'll just go quick over that one. I pretty much took the bad lucky and sniped everything off their bench. Uh, two games back-to-back, so that was a pretty good feeling on that one. Um, the deck performed perfectly in those matches. Um, and then I hit a bunch of Lost Boxes. So round six was Lost Box uh, Giratina, um, and I 
double won that game. I won one. Um, my opponent actually got a game one round loss because we started and it's set up, and a judge came up to him and saw uh, found one of his cards. Um, so he had started the game with a fifty nine card deck, and unfortunately, uh, this guy is actually a buddy. Was a buddy of mine from tournaments here in Florida, um, and I even said I was like, "Hey, we just started. I'm actually cool. If we." reshuffle up start over and they're like and i know it's it's pokemon rule and protocol but um they were pretty pretty harsh and said even though you guys literally just flipped over your cards it's still gained knowledge he saw what your active is um this and that game one loss and he was pretty bummed but then game two i have to say i set up literally perfectly i i op- my opening hand was uh four reggies a aurora energy and a professor's research so it was just, I mean, turn one, and I was going second, so it was literally um, put down the Reggie Drago and the active, play everything out, um, draw four cards, or draw a bunch of cards. It just was perfect, and so that was, a like, the second game was literally a 10-minute game, and I, I felt bad, but my buddy was, and because, like I said, he's kind of a buddy, and um, but he was completely understanding, and he was just like, I've never seen Reggie's pop off that good and i'm like yeah me either honestly <laughs> at least not today yeah right um round seven was a lost kyogre um this one i won game one lost game two won game three um game one was it was really back and forth and grindy and awesome and i kept him just out of range um i was just super aggressive with um with regilecki and sniping things on the bench too to take multiple prizes so i can stay out of that um Kyogre range as well as he was playing the Snorlax and the Thumping Snore and there was a couple turns where he was um, he stayed asleep so that really helped in that situation too um, if I didn't take a one you know one hit knockout uh, game two he was able to get the Kyogre off which was just absolutely bonkers to see he uh, he played multiple multiple energy recyclers I think it was three I counted because I saw one discarded um, in the Lost Zone and one was in the the discard and I'm like, oh, perfect. He can't, he can't do it. And then all of a sudden, the third one came down when he had no cards left in deck, and so I was just like, oh, okay, that that's bonkers. And then game did they three, play like the Pokestop and stuff too? They didn't play the Pokestop, but they were just really aggressive on the switch carts, escape ropes. I mean, they were comfing multiple times every turn. I mean, every single game, I think they had seven to ten in the loss zone, like turn two. It was it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, which also made me confident too with seeing them burning all their switching options that I could leave the thumping store in the active. I was able to use the bad lucky and snipe a couple things on the bench too. Um, and then uh, final game, uh, we actually did we did a gentleman's and they upheld it. Um, I we were both at this point playing for um, top two fifty six, so um, which meant if either of us if we tied, we were out of contention for top two fifty six. Um, we said whoever had the most prize cards, if we go to time, will win, and um, or we'll take the take the round. And I think I was three prizes to none, so he was just like, he's like, yep. He goes, you got that man. He goes, even if we had time, you would have one hundred percent just won that one. So that's that's you. He was super cool. Um, he actually ended up he was coming back for day two, so I gave him uh, just to do side events. So I gave him some side event tickets that they'd given me at check in. Super nice kid. Um, I wish I remember his name. I could go back and look on RK9, but awesome guy. Um, then round eight was Lost Box Dragonite um, with a couple different Vs playing the new Sky Seal Stone. He was playing Raikou V. Um, really good player. Um, 
just was sequencing super, super well. Um, I lost game one, and it, that was another really grindy. It came down to the last couple prizes, or last couple turns. Um, they were just able to take the prizes first. Um, game two, I had just an amazing setup um, and was able to just take like three prizes before they could take one, and they just scooped it up, and we went to game four. Um, and then, oh, man, I wish I remember. So game, my my brain was starting to get fried after this point playing so many lost box match, matchups but game 8 was or round 8 last game was um it came down to last prizes i remember now um and they had i want to say it was that was the the game that echoing horn came into play as well um i think i echoing horn he left like the lone dragonite that's right left lone dragonite up and i echoing horned and escape roped and I brought up a comfy and knocked it out um, for game. And he, ha- I hadn't revealed the Echoing Horn in either of the first two games, so he was shocked that I played that. Um, and another thing in their matchup, they actually played the Lost City in their deck as well too Jeez. for a Lost Box. <laughs> because he goes, he was like, I know people are going to be knocking out my comfies early on, and so that's just a way for me to speed up putting things into my Lost Zone so I can get to Mirage Gates faster, which is actually pretty smart. Um but it was just kind of wild. Um, he had knocked out like one or two of my Reggies, so I had been super like um, conservative with which ones I was playing and going in with and attacking with and stuff like that until I could bump that stadium and everything. Um, and then last round was against a Mellow out of Mew. Um, I, I was kind of confident in this. Um, going in, I kind of had a strategy, but if, I unfortunately lost both games. Um, game one was just... Uh, so... Not to be too salty, but literally the the my opponent, because um, he was a super nice guy, he was super cool, but he played, in both games, played a total of eight crams, so all of his crams, he hit seven out of the eight had heads. Yikes. And with double Lost City um, in the deck, I mean, that's just disaster for Reggie's, because, I mean, there was the second game, I was like, if he can flip tails, he had burned a bunch of resources, at least on one more, because there was like, I had him under Pathlock, because I had bumped the first Lost City, Flipped heads, of course, got another Lost City. Genesect got another uh, Kramer, or Kramomatic. Flipped heads on that, got a boss, bossed up my second Regice. Um, and then flipped another, and it was just like just stuff like that. It was like always had what he needed, but then from game one, I kind of noticed his resources as far as his switching options. And uh, I had noticed, so even though he had bumped my second Regice in game two, um, my plan was to actually go in with uh, manually charging up a Regigigas, and if I could get it fast enough, I could be able to um, knock out two Mu V Max before he could knock out enough Regis. And it actually started working. I started drawing all the energies I needed, and was just feeding kind of dead Regis at that point. Um, and then I noticed he was down to two cards in deck and had no switching options left. He, his energies were gone, his switch cards were gone, escape ropes were gone. So my strategy at that point was to find my last boss in deck, and I only had like four cards left in deck um, to boss up a Genesect. And um, and I think at that point he kind of saw my strategy because I was milling through quite a bit. And I literally I went to my turn, my last turn to be able to do this. I whiffed the boss, and I just instantly scooped it up. And he literally, as soon as he scooped it up, he goes, I'm guessing you missed the boss. And I go, yeah, he goes, you were going for a, a stall, weren't you? And I was like... I, I was like, so he knew exactly what I was going for. He was, and he literally was, yeah, I had, I burned all my resources. I would have had no way, and we would have had to go to game three. So unfortunately, it didn't work in my favor. 
Um, but you know, that's just how it goes, especially when there's a lot of cram heads and yeah, that was, that was pretty much my run. I was a little sad. I didn't get into top 256, but I was really happy with how I navigated, um, you know, the games I did win. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's outstanding. It's still at the, at the same time, finding time to, you know, obviously work a full-time job, be a father and then play competitive Pokemon at a high level. It's, it's, it's cool, man. This is like, this is the dream. And I, I love playing Pokemon. I love doing all this Pokemon content. So it's, it's still cool to see, you know, everyone else enjoying it, especially you. Uh, but how did you land on Reggie's and would you have done anything different? So I landed on Reggie's mainly because, um, and I talked about it in like some of our previous casts as well. Um, just the, the new card, Sky Steel Stone. I'd been big on a lot of V decks, especially things like Gudra and, um, Duraludon and stuff like that. And I don't know why, but that card just scared me off those decks, especially going into such a big, big tournament um, and not knowing what to do. So obviously my mind then went to, okay, well, single prizers. Um, single prizers can be really good. It gives you more opportunity to come back. Um, Lost Box I've not been a huge fan of just because in my testing I've always gotten those, the Lost Box, unfortunate, you know, have to choose between the two cards you need and get rid of one, so... That was kind of like my second choice. And Reggie's, I think, just had a really good matchup spread as far as weakness, what it can hit for, um, and things like that. You know, if you're going against a VMAX, you're going with Regigigas. If you're going against Palkia, which you don't see a lot of Palkia, or Alugia without a Dunsparce, you're going with Regilecki. Um, if they're trying to wall, you go in with Regice. If they're, it just, it had all kinds of answers to things as long as you can sequ- sequence correctly. Um, and, I don't know, that just, it kind of appealed to me, um, as much as combo heavy decks sometimes can be challenging, um, I don't know, I just, it, I, in testing, and testing against what I expected to see, I just started to like it more and more, and I kind of just, it, it stuck, and I actually really enjoy the way it plays now, um, before I was kind of like, um, I don't know if I'm gonna ever pick that deck up, and I'm glad I did, because it has a lot of answers to things, and if you don't, have those unfortunate dead draws or you can get the things you need when you need them you can win those things that some people might see as an auto loss auto loss like the flying pikachus the gudras the ice cues um and that's what i went in with this has answers to a lot of decks and then i'm going to put in my answers for the stuff that normally doesn't have answers to for sure nope super sick and then would you have done anything different um maybe just in my round one um with the whole time situation and going to a tie. But other than that, I, I really like the 60. Um, if you guys want, there's, I posted it all over all my social medias in our discord, things like that. If you guys want to try the 60, um, feel free. I, I really think the list is pretty there, um, especially for my play style. I like to kind of go aggressive and that's why I like the, the four count instead of the, uh, of, of everything instead of adding the trekking shoes and having three counts of stuff. Um, I, yeah, I really don't know if I would have done anything too differently, honestly. Um, maybe just prep against certain matchups more. I, you know, I kind of wrote Mew off, so I'd only play tested against that a few times. And I only wrote that off just for the pure sake. I was like, oh, my answer is Regigigas. And didn't think about, you know, in these certain scenarios and stuff like that. But, um, I didn't hit the things I expected to see, like Lugia, which was kind of crazy to me, um. I felt like maybe in those match, I practiced against that matchup the most, so I felt like I had a lot of, you know, answers for that matchup. And of course, I didn't go against a single one. 
<laughs> yeah, I know that's the worst. Like, uh, like when I played in Salt Lake the first time, I was like, man, I feel like I I have a great matchup against Arceus Duraludon. Like, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good deck because Mew is so popular, and I played against none. So <laughs> I feel yeah. I feel that pain on a deep level for sure. Uh, but GG's, man. Again, super sick. Can't wait for you to go do it again at Knoxville and take first next time. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're going to dive into the MetaShare study. The MetaShare study is brought to you by Inked Gaming. Inked Gaming has a wide variety of custom playmats, dice bags, face masks, sleeves, dice, and deck boxes. When you use the code PCSPOD10 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order, so make sure you're checking out InkGaming.com. The Orlando Regionals Top 16... It's a bunch of Lugia and, like, two Lost Box decks, a Mew deck, a Palkia, and a Veltal Eldegoss Loop deck. We're back in that cycle where, like, the best deck in format is the best deck in format. It gets countered, and then everyone thinks that the meta's settled down again, so you can play whatever you want. And we're back at that part where the best deck in format is the best deck in format. So does that mean the counter decks come out now? They're going to see that the bird keepers are getting cut and it's time for the paralysis lock? Or what's what's on the horizon? Because the format doesn't change between now and OCIC. Yeah, I, we are on that cycle. But I think with that cycle and people understanding that cycle a little bit more, I think come Knoxville or OCIC, you're going to see people still playing Lugia, but also now including the stuff to answer. So you're going to see a lot of the, the counters come in, but people are, are going to be prepped for those counters with their bird keepers, with their, um, I mean, Eldegoss, whatever. You know, those things that help beat those counter matchups. Yeah, because we saw some sick things on stream, like the um, the Lugia Flying Peak that we were talking about last week in the Discord. There was the Lugia Greedent VMAX, which was hilarious. Like, <laughs> it just, it seems like you can have a really consistent and competitive and very overwhelmingly powerful Lugia deck by keeping it consistent. But it also has the ability to power up very unorthodox attackers. So are we, are we moving towards the unorthodox? Or was that just something sprinkled in here and we're going to see an even more refined and potentially more defensively capable Lugia deck because it's, you know, we're in that cycle where Lugia is supposed to get countered really heavy. Yeah, I think that, and that's where I think we're going. I think we're going to see a little more defensive Lugias coming into uh, OCIC just because I think people are starting to realize we, like I said, we're in that cycle of okay, people cut it, so now we can play this. And so I think that's where you're going to see, you're still going to see people play just the true consistent list and things like that. And it's kind of hard to be able to tell what's going to um, push through to the top. Because like this weekend, in my experience, like everyone was hyping up Gudra and we only see one in the top 16. Well, there was a ton of Gudra. When I was in my losing streak, there was a ton of Gudra around me. And I think that's everyone was ready for the Gudra. So it pushed them all to the bottom tables, and that's why I was seeing them. So I think you start putting these the counter Lugias back in, and they're going to push down all the the counter decks. And then come day two, the consistent Lugia decks are going to uh, 
prevail because you're only going to have the, the Lugias with the answers and then the consistent Lugias making it day two. And then if you put those face to face, well, why do you need answers instead of consistency when you're playing mirror matches? Yeah, if that makes sense. No, that's a real thing for sure. And obviously having the edge is super sick and the edge in a, in a 1400, almost 1500 person event, you know, our first place deck had echoing horn and irida in it. So there were texts made accordingly to fit what was the hyped up deck in the form of lost box gudra which was supposedly due for its win we had mentioned briefly on the previous podcast that getting caught in that crossfire where you're teching for something like lost box gudra by having that echoing horn gives you that solid edge against other decks like mu v max like um let's say the lost box decks that are teching in the um the two prize attackers like Raikuti, Yusuke, Sealstone, and so on and so forth. Like, and Lugia apparently just has space for things like that now. So I personally would like to see the counter decks come back out. I don't think that the technology Mew Aerodactyl is going to be enough to be a very power-focused deck whilst also having that counter um, card for Lugia. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it is crazy that we did see the advanced technology Mew um, make it as far as it did, which is wild to me. <laughs> yeah, and then Isaiah Bradner just kind of like, all right, we'll play out game two. You got your lock. And now I'm going to find out every single card that's in your deck and I'll, I'll gas you on game three. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's really cool. I would love to see Palkia. Um, I would like to see more good players pick up that palkia list with the articuno jelly and the crab and so on and so forth i feel like palkia was never really one of those decks that got i don't know mowed over by control but now you're giving yourself so many edges against things like you know the mewtwo or the eldegoss loops because you've got that crab which is really cool so um, my my thoughts are we're we're heading towards counter but you know my my thoughts were also a little too spot on by threatening the flying peak time <laughs> when we were talking about the Orlando meta field and it ended up being flying peak for you specifically, which kind of sucks. Um, it's all matchups, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I always think like, man, if I played a different deck, I wouldn't have, I would have been able to hold those matchups, but I wouldn't have played against those other matchups. And in a 1400 person event, Swiss seating, you're going to see just, a wide variety of stuff where you're going to see things that you've played tested against. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I thought I was thinking about that all day. Like what would have happened if I didn't tie my round one? Like how would my day gone? Um, you know, it just, it's all, it, and it really is matchup dependent. Um, shout out to a couple people. I went with my, my buddy, Derek, he ended up starting the day three and um, ended up not doing so hot later on he had a better record than i did but he um yeah just got hit beautiful matchups for him and he was playing lugia um that day so you know things like that happen yeah for sure i mean like i said you wish you had played lugia at any point in that day and unfortunately you just didn't um so you know what's next what do we expect for ocic uh a lot of lugia (laughs) a lot of lugia um, I definitely think things like Lost Gudra um, have still have a place. Um, I think we'll see a couple of those pop in um, because outside of the top 16 and top 32, there was actually quite a few of them. 
Um, and I just a quick shout out. In uh, 26th place was a local to us. Um, he actually goes to my local shop. Uh, Glenn, he was playing Las Gudra and ended up uh, win- losing his um, final match to potentially put him in the top eight. So that was pretty cool um, that he made it that far uh, with Las Gudra. But then also we're gonna. I think we're gonna see things like control. Um, I think we'll see some Muse come in. Um, and I think, I think I really do think Lost Box is going to make a huge run. I think there's so many. No one's really refined the list perfectly yet, and I think there's a lot of stuff that someone's putting this in the list, someone's putting that in the list, and someone's going to come together and merge a couple lists and find like a really, really good sixty and make a make a good run. Yeah, so it's time to put the Sky Seal Stone on Kerbominable, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Dude, that take... would be absolutely insane. Just absolutely eat up a Duraludon for four prizes. That sounds sick. Um, but yeah, man, I think I think the outlier deck that we're not seeing right now is obviously something Arceus. I think Arceus is just not really in a good spot, whether it be Duraludon or just like Flying Peak and Friends. It's probably due for another solid run, like uh, like it did in uh, oh was it Arlington that that. That t- that deck that played like the one one Espeon, the one one yeah. Aerodactyl and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll definitely have to wait and see. But yeah, Duraludon being on the outside and looking in feels pretty bad with Lugia being this popular in top sixteen. Yeah, my um, my buddy actually was on um, on another buddy, of course, was on du- actual like Arceus Duraludon, and he happened to lose his winning in for day two. Um, unfortunately, they uh, he, they actually made a uh, or no, sorry, never mind. I won't bring that up. It was another guy that made a gentleman's on his winning in, and the guy went back on his on his gentleman's. Unfortunately, but yeah, don't go back on your GAs. Don't yeah. go back on them. It's not fair. It's not nice. <laughs> but also, don't make GAs if you don't intend on upholding them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 don't make it just if in case things go in your favor. You got to make it for both sides. Yeah, for sure. That about wraps up the MetaShare study. Again, Justin, GG's. You know, can't wait to see how you refine whatever list you play and take it to Knox. Uh, you know, eyes all forward to OCIC, and I guess we tech backwards from there. We're gonna jump into the card spotlight. Card spotlight is brought is sponsored. Uh, ugh, words hard today. The card spotlight is sponsored by Darth Gloom Productions. DG Productions is a West Coast based tournament organizing group that can run and officiate your tabletop events including the Pokemon TCG. So be sure to check out Darth Gloom on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're talking about Lost Vacuum this week. Seems like, you know, even with what was uh, appearing in the top two decks, that Lost Vacuum appeared to be pretty handy. What are your thoughts on this card? Um, I think Lost Vacuum is just like... It, I mean, obviously I played one in my Reggie deck, but I think it's a really, really strong card. Um the fact that we're seeing so many things like Parasol come out, the Sky Seal Stones, Forest Seal Stones, um, this card can really disrupt if someone's relying on those cards and you just get rid of it. You know, um, that was kind of my point with in my deck playing it was to get rid of Parasol specifically. But um, even when I played against my Mew player, uh, the play- person playing Mew in my final round, both games early game he had attached a Forest Seal Stone just to get it out of his hand. And wouldn't use it till like a turn or two later, just for the pure sake of. At that point, he wanted to burn a card, but he was still hitting the things he needed. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's a card that, in the right situation, is 
incredibly strong. Um, and especially if you're playing things like uh, lost, uh, lost Boxes, you can even... You don't really see it in there too often, but you can put it in there and just help build your Lost Zone as well, too. Yeah, it's a really cool card, super-duper powerful, being able to just straight delete a card that's already not recoverable unless you're really lucky with Silene, like a Stadium or a Tool card. You know, the Sky Seal Stone and the uh, Forest Seal Stone, they only play, like, maybe a two-count deck, so being able to deny one and pray the other's prize is huge. Uh but Lost Vacuum is such an impactful card that things like Mew VMAX were able to effectively utilize Path to the Peak in their decks to be able to stifle things like Drapion and other ability-based cards that needed to have you know their abilities and Path to the Peak would shut them down. It's crazy how good Lost Vacuum is and how it really shifted the meta as much as it did when it first came into our TCG. Um... You know, I can't say enough about the card. Being able to thin your hand down, deny your opponent something, or even just remove something from your own Pokemon to attach a different tool and then draw out again with Bibarel or draw more with a Crobat. Yeah, it's just, it's so multifaceted. And they're like 10 cents a piece right now. So make sure you pick up four of them because they will not be rotating and they're going to be a part of our format for quite some time. Yeah, I um, I definitely think that um, it's something that if you have the space for it in your deck, you might as well um, put it in there if you can. I mean, it just—it's a really good card. It's—it uh, it has so many utility utilities right now. Yeah. Uh, no, I tend to agree. And with that, we're going to jump into the listener question. Uh, this one comes from Arcan nine nine nine, which I think is like a play on Arcanine nine nine nine. I don't know. Uh, I suppose that's a nifty name for sure. And then they asked us, uh, what do you guys want to do? Oh, sorry, I am so bad with words today. <laughs> what do you guys do for fun outside of the Pokemon TCG? I'll let you lead this off. Yeah, um, so this one, I'm not going to lie, is actually a little hard to gauge for me right now. Um, as I've kind of we've mentioned, um, this past year, my wife and I obviously had a, a, a kid. Um, so... Pokemon right now is my hobby that I do in my free time. Um, if I'm not doing Pokemon, I'm 100% spending time with my, my kid and my wife, um, we, which consists of we, we have a yard, uh, so we're always out in the yard right now. It's really nice in Florida weather, and just spending time and watching her, her grow um, is you know obviously incredibly important. Um, but before, uh, so we'll go back to times before kid for me. Um, I was a big time skateboarder, um, my entire life. Uh, so I, I was always on a skateboard. I actually, with having a kid pretty much hung that up. Um, if you guys followed me way back when, whenever we had her over a year ago, the week after she was born, um, I actually, my wife gave me freedom to go to the skate park. Um, and I was filming some stuff and I actually fell and broke my arm when my daughter was a week old. Um, so being in a, and it was like in a spot where I had to have a full arm up to my shoulder, uh, cast. And so having a full blown cast with a one week old was not, uh, not fun to say the least. We made it work, but it was, it was definitely hard. So I kind of hung it up there. And then also, um, just falling hurts when you're older, um, yeah. over 30 years old. So it, it definitely hurts when you hit the concrete. But then other than that, I did some mountain biking and then, 
just being outdoors. Um, hiking is very, very big to my wife and I. That's what we used to spend a lot of our weekends doing. Um, now that the kid's getting a little bit older, we're thinking about you know, taking her on more hikes and stuff like that. Before, it was not as easy, especially whenever you're having to carry her, carry her 100% of the time. So, But that that's kind of the big things that I do outside of Pokemon. Um, and also, obviously, being a brewer, um, you know, visiting breweries and stuff on the weekends is always fun because I get to do market research as well as have a beer so (laughs) yeah no for sure uh like you i was also very much so into skateboarding i still i still dabble from time to time as i am unmultiplied and if i break myself it's not that big a deal but (laughs) i definitely agree that it is a little harder to bounce back from um from falling down whatnot but before the pandemic i played um a lot of hockey which was super cool uh you know, I'm super into first person shooters like, you know, Destiny, Halo, Call of Duty and stuff like that. I follow um, like MLG and I guess it's not MLG anymore, but like pro esports, I guess is the correct term now pretty heavily. And I'm pretty much into that a lot. My wife and I are super into like professional sports and stuff, too. She she loves to go to like baseball games, football games, hockey. We haven't been to an NBA game yet, but it's been, you know, something on the bucket list for sure. We were Sharks ticket holders for a long time, which was super cool. Um, other than that, man, it's uh, really just video games and uh, sports at any capacity. It's uh, about the gist of it. But yeah, that's that's what I like to do outside of the Pokemon TCG. Thanks for asking. Yeah, that's, that was actually a pretty awesome question. I appreciate that one. Yeah, and if any of our other listeners have uh, questions for us, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod we'd love to hear what you have to say and we'd love to answer what you want to ask we have a small patreon discord update uh tomorrow which is wednesday the 8th yeah um we have our pcs glc locals so if you're part of our patreon you get entrance to that we have some crz codes as well as some ultimate guard swag up for grabs for first place and uh yeah definitely see you guys there i'm excited to play this week and hopefully take oscar out of his winning streak and that about wraps it up for that we're going to do some predictions for ocic and then we will move on yeah Justin, what's going to win man um i want to jump back real quick to the patreon discord thing our regular discord is always free to uh join guys so just feel free to ask us um we just have a whole separate thing specifically for the Patreon. So if you guys ever want to be a part of the Discord, please just feel free to, um, to ask and we'll happily uh, add you guys. Um, but anyways, so predictions for OCIC. Um, like I said, I think Lugia is going to show up with lots of answers to counters as well as a lot of counters show up. Um, I think with Ian Rob doing so well with Palkia, that Palkia is going to make a decent appearance as well. But I was wrong with my prediction on Lost Box last week, so I'm going to run it back, and I'm going to say some form of Lost Box takes it, finally, because it, it's time. All right. Um, hmm. What wins? You know, I'm going to throw it super left field here, and uh, hmm. I'm going to say Rotom V-Star. <laughs> wins OCIC <laughs> dude you I could see something far fetched like that actually doing well Like uh, last week we talked about I played against one obviously that was like 4-1 and one at, a, at a big tournament locally <laughs> so yeah. I mean 
it's got answers. No, it's got a it's got a fun fan base. I know that the community would go nuts. Um, you know, you're gonna see a smaller field in OCIC. Although it is an international championships, it is unfortunately in an area that's not easy to travel to. So I think if you shorten the field, increase the amount of interested players who want to have the Lugia counter plus play something fun. I I don't I don't even know what to say other than like puck it we ball. And uh, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be Rotz on V Star for the dub. I like that. All right, Justin, plug the show. Let's go to bed. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, guys, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, I am PokeBrews TCG. Uh, on Instagram, I am just at PokeBrews. Uh, Instagram is where I do most of my socializing at the moment. Um, kind of avoid Twitter drama if I can can because you know that's always fun on there. Um, on both of those platforms, you can find my link tree, which has links to my things like my TCG player affiliate link. If you guys use that when you do your shopping, costs nothing extra, but helps support different regional trips. Um, we have we have Knoxville coming up where we had to, you know, we're driving, Airbnb, all that stuff. So um, any extra support is really appreciated, um, but also not necessary. Just come say hey to me if you guys want. Um, other than that, if you guys want some PCS official merchandise, you can go to Bonfire. Um, bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. Um, oh, and I do want to add, I apologize to everyone who went to go look for me in my PCS shirt. Um, while we were there, it was actually cold in the venue. So I wore a hoodie the entire time and I had three separate people message me afterwards and were like, Hey, were you there wearing a green hat and a white hoodie? Like, yeah, that's me. Like, okay. I just didn't see PCS. So I didn't come say, Hey, I'm sorry guys. Um, that's my fault. It was actually colder in the venue than I expected it. So next time I'm sure in Knoxville will be hot. So come say Hey to me, um, or look for the green hat. Cause I'm sure I'll be wearing the same hat. And then lastly, if you guys want to add our Twitch, we are at twitch.tv slash PCS podcast on to you, Drew. Yeah. So before I dive into my plugs, obviously, um, to that listener, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to stick a, uh, uh, one of those orange flags that you uh, you put on the back of like an ATV or something like that. We're going to put that on Justin next time. <laughs> so he'll be really easy to spot in a crowd. Then that'll be his punishment for not wearing the PCS merch. Um, if you want to find me on socials, I'm at Katana TCG. I'm also the same ID tag on YouTube if you want to check out my videos there. And make sure you're checking out InkGaming.com. Use PCS Pod 10 for 10% off your entire order. And while you're there, make sure you're looking at Ultimate Guards Premium Accessories. They have very cool stuff, and I love keeping my cards in their products. And then also make sure you're checking out our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. He was just showing me the Cortex sleeves, which are not yet available on Ink Gaming, but they are available as prizing for our Patreon members during our events. So make sure you're checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash PCS podcast this will get you entries to the monthly giveaways as well as entrance to the pcs locals which is a tournament um series we have running between glc and standard until ptcgo eventually dies and we also have other benefits too so make sure you're checking out our patreon and that about does it for the show yeah we'll catch you guys next time see ya